0: This program is brought to you with support from the U.S. EPA. We're here to present the EFC Network podcast. The Environmental Finance Center Network is a partnership of 12 centers serving 10 EPA regions. The EFCN provides training and technical assistance to small water and wastewater systems. This podcast series has been designed to help system personnel improve technical, managerial, and financial capacity of the utilities and communities they serve.
1: Hello, my name is Frank Roth, and I work at the Southwest Environmental Science Center. We are part of the Environmental Science Center Network, and this is a podcast focusing on leading practices in wastewater operations. With me today, I have uh, two individuals from the Seattle Public Utilities. We have John Holmes, who is the Utility Operations and Maintenance Division Director, and we also have Gene Calhoun is the Interim Director of System Maintenance. Welcome, John and Jean.
2: Thank you. Thank you, thanks for having us. I'd
1: like to start out, uh, maybe you can tell a little about uh, yourselves in, ter- in terms of your role, and then just a little about um, Seattle Public Utilities, in terms of how many miles uh, you're responsible for, uh, and then maybe some of the challenges you've had in the past few years around Uh, maintaining your system, and dealing with uh, system defense. We all know that it rains a lot in Seattle, and you're a 24-7 operation, and it's your responsibility to manage these uh, large systems. So I'll turn it over to you, John and Gene, and maybe you can describe a little about yourselves, your roles, and a little about uh, Seattle Public Utilities Wastewater System. Why don't you
0: go first, Gene, and then I can go after you.
2: Okay. well, um, yes, my name is Gene Calhoun and I'm the uh, interim uh, division director uh, for uh, system maintenance. And I have um, been uh, with the utility for the past uh, 23 years. And um, during that time, I've um, uh, been the interim division director for uh, just under six months. and I, I can say, you know, uh, uh, some of the we, we manage about fourteen hundred miles of uh, of uh, pipe uh, throughout the city of Seattle, um, and uh, it, it is a combined system, uh, in which uh, creates some challenges, you know, through for our, our maintenance program uh, through um, as um, th- as Frank uh, mentioned uh, through all the rain uh, we have and and rain events. Uh, yeah, that that's the the most challenging, you know, is is uh, that we have a, a combined system, and uh, I guess you know we we've uh, uh over the years um uh, worked to to uh, separate the system, um but you know it, it's it's a work in progress.
0: All right, uh, I'm John Holmes. Uh, I used to work with. Uh, I had the wonderful opportunity to work with Gene Calhoun for about seven years. Uh, we worked together. Uh, In system maintenance, I changed jobs in November of 2021. Um, I moved to an area, um, it's called Shared Services, because I have both water responsibilities now and also wastewater. Um, My title is Utility Operations and Maintenance Director. Like Gene, I've been with the city almost 23 years. Um, Gene has primarily the conveyance system. Um, My group, um, I have a team of about 80 employees. Um, I have SCADA, I have our control center, mechanical, machinist, um, but within that in the wastewater assets, Gene has conveyance. Um, I have a large part of the CSOs across the city that we've primarily built in the last 10 years. We have some smaller facilities. Um, and then also our pump stations, which I know in the industry, other people may refer to them as lift stations. We just adopt everything called a pump station. Um, we have about 67 of 67 or 68 of those across the city. Um, Water's regional. uh, Wastewater is uh, within city limits only in Seattle for both Gene and I, so. Thank you, John and
1: Uh, Gene. Many times when we're dealing with these natural events, heavy rainfall as as an example, it's important to prepare uh, respond, recover, and to adapt, to learn from previous events in terms of being better prepared, and also to be more optimized moving forward in terms of being more effective and efficient in your operations. Uh, I'm sure at Seattle Public Utilities that you have a cleaning program uh, and also CCTV, your televised, your pipes, and uh probably over the past couple of years, you've developed condition assessments um, and rehab programs. Uh, So maybe, uh, Jane, can you start us out in talking about some of the programs that you've developed to be more effective in preparing for these natural events?
2: Well, um, for the most part, we, we have um, uh, we're twenty four seven operation, so you know, we we have uh, crews uh, working around the clock, uh, and and that that uh, prepares us for you know, whenever there's a system emergency or or, or any uh, threat to our system. And, and um, you know, we have a, a first response team that goes out and uh and they'll they'll uh, uh first assess the problem. And uh, during uh, regular work hours, when I mean, we have a uh we have a, a crews uh north and, and south of the uh, the city, um. And we have an, an all-city uh, rehab uh, group and an all-city uh, spotlining team. And um, uh, as the, uh, the our first response crews uh, uh, find um, uh, issues with the system, they they are triage and, and and the first you know they, they the first respond to the problem. And uh, on uh, regular hours, we actually send out. Uh, wherever the the system emergency is, we send out our, um, our crews out. If there's a blockage or or, or something, a uh, sort, uh, we send the crew out to to go and relieve the blockage. You know, with uh, our um, eductor trucks, and they they're pretty effective uh, just for uh, for uh, uh, minor blockages. And then uh, when we have uh, uh, system failures, like structural failures and and uh, things of that uh, type, we um, we uh, bring in our uh, uh, rehab crews and the, as I said before, the rehab crews. They their um range. Uh, we have we have two rehab crews. Uh, uh one uh, predominantly works in the north of the city, and one in the south of the city. And and uh, uh during regular hours, they're able to to uh move in and uh and their um primary goal is to, function is the uh you know r- restore the the restore the uh pipe to you know within the six hour window um. And I noticed a, a short turnaround and then uh, on, on off hours, um, we, we also implement, we have a, a standby group uh, that consists of a manager and a couple of crew chiefs and, and uh, uh, crew members. And uh, they're, they're called out you know, uh, on the off hours to, to um, manage any uh, type of system failure, whether it be uh, maintenance related or uh, structural failure. Um, and also the, the, um, uh, once most of those, um, uh, we, we, we kind of get there and, and, uh, and fix the, the issue and, and, uh, restore service. Then there may be, um, then we'll send a, a CC TV camera out to, to inspect, you know, the, the condition and, and perform a condition assessment of the pipe. And, um, and I guess we will, um, work towards, um, uh, if there's a uh, uh, further maintenance needed, you know, um, and, and if uh, at our laterals, the, the city of Seattle, they um, maintain the, the first connection and the lateral going out. So uh, uh to the property, uh, I mean, just, just the first connection, you know, and, and not, not the lateral going out to the property. So uh as, as you can imagine, there's a, a lot of those and, and, uh in, a, in the condition of our, our pipe, and we have a, a, a aid system. So sometimes it, it uh, presents, you know, uh, uh, times where we have to uh, go in and, and um, utilize a, a spotlining.
1: Thank you, Jane, for sharing those examples with us um, on how you adapted and especially recover and respond to these major events. Uh, John, do you have anything to add to how uh, Seattle Public Utilities have been more effective with these uh, strategies, if you will?
0: Yeah, um, both Gene and I use uh, Tableau. Um, that's really become hot for uh, metrics, um, real-time reporting, uh, so we can monitor and share with our crews because it is a partnership. Um, I don't look at the Tableau reports personally as, you know, top-down, hey, I got gotcha. It's meant to share and evolve and grow and, you know, on a monthly basis take those metrics um, from our emergency response times, our productivity, um, what we may have for total workload versus what we have for resources. I think I can confidently speak for both Jean and I that we have more work to do than we have people probably like everyone listening to this call uh, is going to I, I think generally, um, it's, you know, being in uh, the sewer business is pretty active, um, like Jean. Um, We don't have a first response crew um, during work hours, Uh, we have a one hour response time for a priority nine call which is an emergency Um, off hours we allow two hours that's because people most people do not live in city limits um, that work for the city because of housing prices they have, uh, you know, potentially commutes. So depending on the time you get the call, uh, we allow for two hours to um, be on site and we do track that um we do maintain what we call a duty supervisor um it's comparable to what gene has for a standby crew but usually it's by craft um uh on call 24 7 365 um so we always have availability um i would say just so people listening to this kind of you know rank order pump station maintenance uh, is our heavy hitter for call outs that usually oftentimes will generate a call for electricians. And then next up would be SCADA. And a lot of times that's for communication issues when the control center has gone dark and doesn't know what's happening at that asset. So SCADA tries to reestablish communication so everyone can monitor the asset accordingly. But usually that's done through alarms and other means. Um, so that's kind of our operational um you know, context in terms of emergencies. And sometimes our crews end up at the same asset, um, performing different bodies of work, but partner up to um, fix an issue on site at an asset.
1: thank you so much for sharing those strategies um, on the rehab program. Uh, maybe you can switch to the other side of optimization in terms of efficiency, how you've been more efficient running these activities Uh, in responding to the investments that you've made. Um, I think Jane mentioned that uh, you have a very aggressive cleaning program uh, uh, that has helped to reduce uh, sanitary sewer overflows or SSOs. And um, maybe you can talk about uh, some of these activities that you've developed um, over the past decade would you like to
2: start uh by talking about some of the efficiency activities uh yes um, i guess uh, uh some of the as john mentioned you know we, we um we've um heavily invested in our employees you know as far as um uh, maintenance goes and um they they um are the the first responders they're the um uh, they're the uh, First one, they, they they clean these pipes uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of times, you know, over the years, and uh, so we, we would like to we like to invest in our employees and and um and use their voice to to uh, make decisions, you know, as as far as our system goes, you know, they they uh go out and they they inspect the, the system, um and they they uh, clean it uh, multiple times, so uh, w- with that, you know, they they have um of. Uh, you know, feedback. I guess is it, we can kind of rely on better than uh, your your normal uh, algorithm. You know, it, it, it's uh, it's the the repeat visits to these sites. You know, that that uh that that gives us the the uh, insight we need to to move forward. So uh, with that uh, and and the data that we uh, uh, receive uh, throughout the year, you know, I, I think that's a, a good starting point. You know, just to uh, just to, to right size our our maintenance program and and uh, with that. Uh, employee input; it actually helps us uh, to to make to make better informed decisions. Uh, that that's one way. Um, another way is um, as as we mentioned before the uh, the spot program. Uh, prior prior to the spotlining program, uh, it was uh, mostly a, a open uh, rehab dig, uh, which you know as as you can uh, imagine, it's, it gets pretty expensive you know for uh for pavement restoration so uh just just uh utilizing um uh, based on some some of the the input we received over the years uh to um uh, to move into to no dig technology you know in order to to uh you know to stop from uh, uh having to, to uh, do so many uh, uh, disrupt so many neighborhoods and and uh and the pavement so you know we've um had a, a minimal uh, um, impact, you know, to, to, um, to environment and windshield time and, and uh, things of those natures, uh, by going, uh, with the spotlining team. And, um, uh, as of right now, we've, uh, fo- we're focusing on j- just, uh, uh, connections, um, and, and, uh, and actually just a, a smaller, uh, things in the system. Uh, now, I believe that program is going to be expanded in the, within the next couple of years based on, you know, uh, some of the uh, efficiencies which we've gained. Thank you, Gene.
1: And John, do you have anything you would like to add around how uh, Seattle Public Utilities is in terms of the efficiency?
0: Yeah, so I think in the last couple of years, at least um, in my current shop and jeans as well as Um, We've made some aggressive moves moves to invest. Um, We hired someone specifically to support us in continuous improvement. Um, Gene has someone on his end. I have somebody in my planning group. What that means is combining uh, data, um, utilizing the data we collect through Maximo, um, uh, which is quite a bit. Uh, It's not perfect. I'm sure most people struggle with that, Um, but there's a fair amount of good data that is very informational for us to look historically and also to look forward um, and combining that with crew feedback. Um, we, in in my division right now, utility operations and maintenance, um, we use Tableau. Um, we, we have a two week planning period. Um, we know our workload way out, but in that two week planning period, that's an effective time period um, for the best crew utilization with the resources we have. Um, I'm quite short in a number of areas, electrical, um, our machinist. Um, So, you know, it's trying to balance that workload demand with resources available. Um, You know, Gene has the same challenge, um, but really just trying to grow, develop, and make sure we're informed with all this data we're collecting. So we're making good good decisions with the use of our people, our equipment, um, and asset-based decisions to the best of our ability um, when we're performing work out in the field.
1: These are really great examples. Uh, I'm glad that you um, talked about both the quantitative data that you get from your CMMS program, which you use maximum, uh, that you use Tableau to visualize your data to look at uh, issues, challenges, and that helps you to better respond to to these issues. Uh, And then also, as Jean mentioned, uh, the qualitative data that you get from your employees. So you're using both quantitative and qualitative data to make these informed decisions. Uh, So that's really key in moving forward. And for many small and medium utilities that may not have these type of dashboards, They can still use Excel and to pivot tables, and even Excel has uh, some dashboard capabilities. So it doesn't have to be a complicated uh, visualization software. Uh, You can use a simple spreadsheet tool uh, to to begin that process. Um, But the key is when you have that data, that it is uh, reliable and accurate, of course.
0: Yeah. Well, just to um, really put it in context for the smaller, medium-sized utilities, maybe on um, the smaller utilities, we didn't really use these capabilities and probably till two years ago, right? Um, so we were kind of in the spreadsheet world um, of data dumps from Maximo and having to mine all this stuff. And um You know, um, I think a lot is put on our operational managers instead of just running field crews and performing work, you know, expecting them to be data analysts and, you know, um, sort out PM schedules and uh, resource utilization. I mean, uh, really quite a bit are packed into these jobs. Um, So we're, you know, we're not deep into this, but I do see the value since we've started using it more and more. And I think the, the important thing is, is to me is, the data doesn't have to be perfect, but start with something. Um, and I look at it as it's not a report card. It's not you got an A, you got an F. It's merely a tool, right, to deploy where you can in your job to make life easier for your field crews. That's really how I look at it is how can I remove obstacles? How can I make life easier for you? What's getting in your way? Um, what process is burdensome? What parts aren't available? Um, you know, it's, it checks the temperature of the business at any point in time um and that's how i approach it um you know different people from a quantitative end may look at it differently um but back to your point frank with you know that feedback from the crews the stuff you get out of a system is important to a point the real the good stuff comes from your field crews that experience and that knowledge it's it's nothing in a dashboard or a work order management system or a spreadsheet is going to replace that knowledge
1: uh, very true uh...
0: That's where the rich stuff comes from, in my opinion.
1: Right. So we've been talking about some of your older assets that have gone through some rehabilitation. I'm sure that you have. You mentioned some aggressive cleaning program on those assets that were installed uh, within the last forty years. And, but you also have new assets. Um, And I'm sure that you have an asset onboarding program to get those new assets into your program. And maybe you can talk about some of your newer assets.
0: Yeah. I'd say one of the, um, one of the challenges and it it probably, Gene can jump in. I think applies for both of us. Um, we, we don't put too many hands on terms of new assets. I mean, on the rehab side, they do, um, But in terms of new assets, one of the challenges for us is finding the time to train people, right, familiarize them uh, with an asset. And oftentimes um, when an asset is designed and brought into service, let's say a CSO, um, because Gene's had challenges, I've had challenges, is they don't always perform as intended. Um, And uh, it's kind of handed off to us to figure out. Um, And that can be um, very challenging um, because some of these can be complicated. Um, There's a lot of moving parts to them. Um, uh, So asset onboarding, I would say is, uh, and the reality of it is, is when the asset comes online, it's, it can be trialed by fire at times. Um, that's been my experience, um, even though intentions are good, um, the way engineers view the world is a little bit different than operationally um, and in maintenance, uh, how things work sometimes. Um, but I know the utility is putting a great deal of effort into improving our asset onboarding uh, processes. Um, and, and I think it's a critical investment going forward. I think it's good business. Um, and I think that will reap dividends into the future for, for currently for guys like Gene and I, and those that come behind us, Gene, did, did I miss something there or maybe a different I, viewpoint I think with you, the outside onboarding?
2: I, I think you covered, uh, you covered the, the most of it. And, and, uh, and I, I've definitely been experiencing the, you know, the, the trial by fireside, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah, you know, once uh assets uh, assets are onboarded, you know, um, you know, there's um, you know, in in the um, in the the, the staging, and once we get into to uh thirty sixty uh you ninety know, percent, you know, we we do have some involvement in it, um, j- just uh b- before assets uh, come on board, just for our maintenance program, uh, but you know. Yeah, we we can never uh, kind of predict you know how things uh, are going to perform you know once that once built so that, that that's one of the challenges so um, I, I think John covered covered it uh, pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think one thing we could do better is utility, Frank. I think it's important for people to hear. I you know I don't know their operations, but for us, it's once once an asset goes live, you know there's. Um, there's often a number of things that would really help maintenance people. If we could go back and make adjustments or small investments, and sometimes operationally that could be a challenge because um, the people running the project an engineer project manager, they want to move on. And we have this asset that needs some tweaks, adjustments or some small investments to make life easier. Maybe a maintenance hole is undersized. um, You know, it could be a variety of things. And um, so I think there's some growth in our organization to, Really, again, value that feedback once an asset comes online and not just, you know, hand the keys over and say, here you go. Um, I think we could do better um, organizationally. So, again, taking that feedback in that loop and saying, hey, it's, yeah, the asset may be live, it's online, um, but there's some tweaking adjustments for the next year that we need to make um, to make life easier for the field folks that have to go out there and do the work.
1: It it really appears that uh, the practices that you've put in place, have really helped with the knowledge management transfer, which is really key, is transferring these good practices to the to the employees who will eventually replace you and as employees retire and move on.
0: Yeah, you know, when you, you bring assets online and it's like Gene mentioned a 30, 60, 90, you know, depending on the size of the asset, I mean these could be, you know, uh, 100 to 200 pages well sitting down with field staff to do a review um can be quite challenging when uh, <clears throat> uh people want feedback um and you're trying to incorporate your feedback into a design so um uh, you know sometimes it's much smaller but sometimes they're very large and so it's it's a challenge to say hey how do I get my best people in the room to look at this design um, you know, point out flaws, things that need to change, make adjustments, redline it, um, you know, and, and build a better product. That's the time to do it.
2: Good. Gene, do you want to add anything? Um, uh, yeah. Just kind of, kind of going off of what, what John uh, mentioned as far as uh, yeah, getting your best people, you know, and, and to be able to to weigh in on the situation, you know, uh, as um, you know, the field crews ha- have, you know, uh, the best uh, experience and input, Um I, I just I feel like uh, uh some things have made it a little bit easier to bring uh that field perspective, you know, uh uh to to, to the engineering and, and uh and to combine that. Uh like like the just kind of kinda of like the format we're on right now, this uh, virtual format. Uh sometimes uh, we have actually used this uh tool quite a bit, you know, just to, to uh be able to to uh extract that, that field experience and and, uh, and, and get that perspective, you know, on, on a, a certain issue because, um, you know, us as, um, you know, as, as managers and, and directors, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we, we see things uh, 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 one way uh, and an engineer may see it another way, but uh, uh, someone who, you um, uh, touches the asset as much as these guys have, and uh, and and un- can understand the terrain, and are uh, there real time, you know, can can offer some some great input, and uh, the, the uh, virtual format, you know, kind of allows us, you know, to to be able to to uh, get some of that field uh, field knowledge uh, real time. So that, that's you know uh, some of the things that I've seen that that has uh, been a great help to to uh, to joining those two perspectives together.
1: Very good. Uh- John and Jane, I really wanna thank you for your time today and sharing your experiences, your strategies, your techniques, and quite simply your, your good practices that you've put forward that you've integrated into your system maintenance program. Uh, it's very uh, true that you know, building these kind of systems not only optimize your systems, but helps to maintain uh, your service levels that uh, you're responsible for. Uh, so, I'd like to thank you again for your time today, and uh, really appreciate you sharing your experiences
0: with us.
2: Thanks for having us, Frank. Thank you again, Frank, for having us.
0: Thank you to all our listeners for tuning into this episode of the EFC Network Podcast, brought to you with support from the US EPA. Be sure to stay tuned for future EFC Network Podcast episodes.